Today on the Angel of Words show, we will be sitting down with author Mark Bird and we will be discussing the themes of his book, such as racism, pro choice, pro life, and his entrepreneurship. Hello and welcome to the Angel of Words podcast. And today we have a very special guest, author and recording engineer, Mr. Mark Bird. No relation to Larry or Robin. <laughs> hey, how you yeah, doing, man. sir? I'm welcome. Doing good, man. Thanks How's for everything. Thanks for stopping by, my brother. How's Definitely. everything? Good, good, good. Things have been good. Um, the flight was a little long, but you know how that go. Right. It's LA to New York. <laughs> You're here, baby. You made yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know. That's the journey that God chose for you. Yeah. <laughs> which is also the yeah. name of your book. Yes. The Journey God Chose. Mm-hmm. A very inspiring tale. Okay. Kind of like a coming of age novel, Definitely. you know, with three very vibrant women as the lead characters in it. Um, what I most liked about the book is is how it started, to be completely honest with you. You um, put in a poem there. By, you know, one Langston of the greatest Hughes. American poets of all time, Langston Hughes there, the Negro mother. And, um, you know, that poem was written from a woman's perspective. Your book is also written from a woman's perspective. Is there any correlation? <laughs> so I actually, um, how, how it all got started, man, I, I have to always give praise to the most high. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have been able to write. I really feel like God used me as an instrument to be able to write the story. So because of that, what ended up happening is every night I would get different dreams and I'd be like, Dang, I think I should write them down. Um, I had written a uh, short film like screenplay before, but it, I never thought that that was something I was going to be really doing. And from that, I started writing uh, from a, a man's perspective at first. And then something just hit me, like kept telling me, like, this is not the way the story is supposed to be told. So then I ended up fumbling across that poem. Uh, a young lady um, gave me a book of a bunch of like just Langston Hughes poems. And I was reading and I stumbled upon that poem. And it just like hit me. And I said, oh, this is how I got to start writing it. And um, it changed everything. And that's just how it happened, honestly. It is a powerful poem. And in your book, you go from the post-Civil War era all the way through the times of now. Yes. That's not easy to do, to go from the 19th (laughs) century to the 21st century. You were able to pull that off. How? So, again, like, it's all God, man. Uh, The way things, the way I looked at my family's history, because there's so many things that I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's so many places that, uh, that, I know that we've derived from. So I didn't do the, what is it? The 23 and me. I didn't, I yeah. didn't do that yet. Ancestry.com. Yeah, I didn't do that as of yet. But um, over the course that we were writing it, my wife and I, we had the opportunity to go to the African American history museum in uh, DC. And I was just really in awe because it starts off. Like if you, you go all the way downstairs in the basement and it's really dark and you're like, yo man, this is crazy. It's kind of creepy. And then as you, like continue to walk up throughout the building, it just becomes more and more like a, a, a peaceful moment of like an overcoming. 
And that's also like even the way they structured the building is like, you know, coming of age, like overcoming so many obstacles. And I wanted to showcase like all the things that these beautiful black women in this world, they are overcoming and getting through, you know, navigating. I know me as a man, I know some people may uh, take it a certain way that I wrote um, from that way. But if you look at some of the greats, Toni Morrison, you know, all these people that wrote, they always included uh, whether they wrote from a man's perspective or a woman's perspective. I was just giving that a story that people could also dive into opposed to like the things that you see now and the things that I feel like I can continue to encounter is like the self-help books. And it's like, all right, cool. Can we get a story? Yeah. Like we all know you, you can make it, you work hard, all these different things. That's great. But where's the stories at? Like, give me, where's the struggle? Yeah. Why are you doing this? What's motivating you? <laughs> yeah. You know, how'd you get to where you're going? Yeah, yeah. Or where yeah. you are. Yeah, man. It's beauty in the struggle. It's, there is beauty in the struggle. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of your characters in the book who is, you know, obviously it's going to be probably everybody's favorite yeah. is Carol. <laughs> a strong African-American woman goes yeah. through a lot in, in, that, in, in the book. Yeah. Um, what was your inspiration behind that character, man? So, I... We we watched. Uh, I did a lot of research. I did a lot of research, and um, <laughs> it's crazy that you brought that up. Uh, she she just it came up in into play because I was thinking, how could I grip grab like you said, like from the 19th century to the 21st century? How can I like make this like happen? And me going into like Carol's life, I. I try to write people that I knew, you know what I mean? And like people that I know that went through a lot. And um, even down to like my, some of my own experiences, because I don't, I can never say that I'm a woman. I can never say that I, I'm going to carry a child. I don't know what it's like. I don't, but I do know some of the things that have been explained to me and some of the things that I've seen and some of the things I've heard uh, through stories and more. And I was just like, dang, like I have to make sure that people are um, extremely moved by her story. So that's how like it really like started really manifesting itself. And I like um the interaction and you can tell the the generational gap but the strength though behind both women cuz her 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 uh, uh great grandniece <laughs> Lena, you know, she comes off as like this millennial elitist pretentious yeah. person. But you could see throughout the novel that she starts to humble herself when she starts to learn what the struggle was like oh, in the early man. 19, you know, in the early 20th century. Yo, that's so And real. I love that dynamic. Yeah, because we sometimes we do overlook it. Even for myself, I have been caught like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have said that, maybe I shouldn't have did that. But we have these opportunities and we see like people like LeBron. Like LeBron is come on, man. He, he LeBron. He, yeah. he on the wall right there. Yes, like he, he is. LeBron. He's the man. He's he the does man. His yeah. thing. And then we have some amazing writers uh, like Lena Waith. Yes. What she's been doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, the stuff that they've overcome and the things that they have to navigate, which is great. We're all gonna. We all have a story. Everyone got a story to tell. But sometimes we uh, we don't realize the, some of the struggles that people went through just to get us there. And I had to like get through that with Lena to show like, okay, cool. She had a hedge fund. She making money. She's doing well. She's she necessarily not as happy as people may have, you know, expect, but her visiting her great grandmother really allows her to see like dad, like, man, 
not that I'm not ungrateful for this, but now I'm starting to see where like this hustle comes from, you know, what, like what people endure just for me to be able to be in these offices and she's still going through stuff herself. Yeah. She's still going, you she's know, that's, that's the part, it. you know, you have a lot of themes in this novel, you know, you have pro choice <laughs> versus pro life, you know, you have the raping of the slave masses of the, sla- <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the, the way the slave masses used to rape the slaves, yes. interracial platonic relationships, yes. you know, the, the plight of the African American female in America, you know, and you know, what made you kind of choose these themes, man? What made you want to bring these to life? Well, I didn't want to go. I didn't. It, 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 it was different. <laughs> it was different ways that I could have approached it. Yeah. But and I didn't want to like uh, overwhelm the uh, consumer or whoever the reader um, may be. But I, I wanted to uh, showcase like as much as I could without overwhelming someone that, man, these women are going like going through some things and they're overcoming so many obstacles, too. So I think, again, through it all, like it was God. It was really God that just used me to 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 write. And you really touched on something that's very important. Okay. It's not overly vulgar or graphic. No, no. You know, like I didn't want that. If, if you're a smart reader, you're gonna feel the pain <laughs> of what these women endured. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and you do get you do get detailed, but it's not you know it's not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know. Definitely. But it's still a tearjerker. And that's really hard for a writer to do. Look, man, I write. <laughs> okay. You know, I love to write. You know, that's my okay. background. And that's really tough for a writer to do. And you also touched on, you know, the slave mentality and, you know, um, you know how they dealt with their pressures. And not only that, the way depression played a role because some of them felt like death was freedom. Yes. That's so- a Big theme in the, in, the, in the book, man. Yeah, man. To really think about that. Death is freedom, man. Death, death is freedom um, to, to so many people. That's why people commit suicide. And that's such a heavy thing. And, um, you know, like throughout these communities, you know what I'm saying? People of color in general are going through these things. I, I re- Not too long ago, well, matter of fact, it was this past week, I was on the train and um, I saw a young young lady in her in her uh it was a picture and it said missing i'm like okay and then i made sure that i i read the description and it said she was 16 pounds and she was a white hispanic and she looked blacker than me you know what i'm saying yeah. like so i i think that sometimes it uh like the struggle of even um being overlooked, being overlooked with, uh, you know, who you are. And now someone's writing something behind this person, right? I don't know who wrote, who wrote that description behind, behind a young lady who was missing, but I do know that if I was to read that and I didn't see a picture, how was I going to locate this young lady? You know what I'm saying? How I, I know that her struggle and the things that she's going through um, what type of freedom is she like uh, going to be uh, given if no one can find her? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. no one, she ain't 16 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this young lady, she looked like she was about a hundred pounds weight, all these different things. And um, I, I really see that people um, during those times and still today still believe that death is freedom and it could be, you know, hell on earth. For some, a lot of people, and it could be you know people roller skating, mm-hmm. no issues. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, man. Um, It's really unfortunate. And in addition to that, I think this book should be taught in schools because <laughs> no, just because of the way it's written. You know, I think it's a great way to, you know, to, to, to try to mend fences in America. Cause you know, we still go through racism. Racism still exists yeah, in America, but you know, the, the way it's, it, it's written, I feel like it could be taught to children, yeah. and, and it, you know, and it, it could be um, a way for, for us to, get to know each other and continue the conversation because Thomas was going to heal, you know, and going to mend this era of racism that we, you know, that we've endured. And it's books like this that could help, you know, as a, as a bat, not even as a bandit, but could help, you know, take away the scars. Yeah, definitely. And, but for, I don't, for me, I want to make sure that the scars are, like written on the wall, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like people understand that these things happen. These things ain't fake. You know what I mean? These mm-hmm. things, things that people are encountering ain't even a hundred years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like I would, you know, well, when was that? Uh, I forgot what year, but uh, it was a guy named of um, Otis Bird. I posted it on my, um, I recently just posted it on my Instagram, like this year or last year or something. And he was hung. And this was like the late nineties. Like I was like, what the crap? Like, you know, he has the same last name as me and he looks like me and they, they never found out exactly. I don't think who did it. Um, Oh no, actually they did. And he was put on death row. I take that back. They actually did find out and he was put on death row, but you know, these things still exist. Racism is still alive. You know what I mean? And um, we we see it in uh, our jail systems. We see it, you know, in the corporate offices. Uh, I remember one day, uh, to side note, well, not side note, but um, one day I was at a, a table. And I was the only black person, and I was asking for money. You know, me being an entrepreneur, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm asking for more money, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Let me get at the table. Yeah. And uh, the guy looked at me and was like, that'll be 10 lashes. And I was like, he said that to you? Yeah, I was like, I just stopped. And the lady across from me, who was also um, in the meeting, she saw it. Her eyes got so big. And she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy just said that. Yeah. And I was like, I got quiet. And she changed the subject because she knew how that made me feel. feel, But not only understand, like, crap, like, what made you, just because he said he wanted some more, Mm. you're like, oh, that'll be 10 lashes, man. And like, tap me on my shoulder and I was thinking because of my financial situation during that time Mm -hmm. I was I had to take that on the chin yeah but then also I also had to think what if I didn't have you know I didn't if there was no need how would I would have reacted yeah would I would have given him the you know the satisfaction of what he perceives us to be yes you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That anger coming out. He's like, oh, see, this is how they act. Yeah. And now the role is turned of like, oh, that's who did. You know what I mean? So it's it, it, it's it's really hard. It can be tough. It's hard, man, because sometimes you do, you know, sometimes it is better to look the other way and bite your tongue. But you know that innately, you know, you're going to get angry when you hear something like that because, it's you know, it's not funny. No, it's not. It's not a game. And yeah. I think I think one thing that really hit home was like. That was in New York City. Yeah. That wasn't even in Virginia. Yeah. You know, I was born and raised in Virginia, and yeah. then I came here to New York. I sold my car to pursue audio. 
um, when I was 18 years old, a week after graduation, I sold my Crown Victoria, which I love dearly. And where, where'd you grow up, Mark? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Woodbridge, Virginia. Okay, cool. But I, I went to four different high schools, so I was a little bit everywhere. I stayed at, um, lived with a friend before I left, and before that, I lived with my sister, lived with my aunt, my grandparents. I always moved around, and um, but because I had such an extreme, um, like big family, like. My grandmother, my grandparents probably have like 40 something grandchildren. Like it's a lot of us. And I got to see a lot growing up. It helped me be who I am today. It really did. It made me stronger. Yeah. Such as, you know, just one example of something that you thought was something that helped build character. Um, My grandmother uh, always, I think that's another reason why I think it, it, it kind of pushed me to write from a woman's perspective because a lot of my family members, they're leading women in my family. You know, you, it's the same thing. You know, you go to your mom's house to get the best cooked meal. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, you go to your aunt's house. That's a fact of life. Yeah, you know, you go to your auntie's <laughs> house, you're like, dang, I gotta get my hair yeah. braided. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Or like, dang, I need to do this. And then you have dialogue, yes, of course, in the barbershop, and you know what I'm saying, your homies. But something that a friend told me uh, this week, actually, he said, you know, when, when you grow up, you know, you don't really have conversations with men it's not until you become a man you really have you become more vulnerable you know because you you looked upon as soft right so it's like i never had real dialogue with my cousins the way i should have until i became a man like yo that hurt mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like dag man you know me and wifey going through this and, you yeah. know and they tell me they girl now we have like, to you know we were supposed to keep our emotions intact yes whereas like you know the women of the family they they would sit at the table i had to sit at a different table because um you know the kids table and then the grown up the table. table yeah so the women of the family would sit and they would talk and they would talk their issues out and problems and all those things that they went through and um my grandmother established very early on about how um how God was so important. And, uh, she was, she's still a praying woman today and she would give, she would take me to church and things like that. Uh, we had, um, Wednesday Bible study and then, uh, Sunday service here and there. And, uh, they were just always there for me, especially, um, yeah, my grandmother, I have to say. It's, it's, you know, it's very interesting that you say that because I honestly feel <clears throat> that, there is nothing wrong with church. You know, uh, oh, we, yeah. we live in a society now that, you know, unfortunately a lot of things have happened in the Catholic church. Oh, and, and all churches. Yeah, in all churches. <laughs> all a lot churches. of, you know, a lot of criminal activity, oh, this, yeah. that, and the third. But I also felt like church was a good place to talk to people and engage with other human beings. Mm-hmm. Um build some sort of camaraderie because now I feel like everybody's growing up like, and it's like basketball 21, every man for themselves. Yeah. And that's not a good way to live as well because now you're going to be suffering. If you're not a strong, mentally sound human being, you're going to get depressed. You're going to get lonely. You're going to harm, you're going to harm yourself Mm -hmm. or harm others. Definitely. I think that for me, like regardless of people's beliefs, um, and y'all don't shun any religion or, um, excuse me. Uh, any religion or anyone's belief, even if you necessarily don't believe in a higher being or yeah. a creator or God, I don't shun your belief. But when you look at the things that we endured, how could you have gotten through it? There's no way that you see 
you know, your your kids being ripped away from you. You know what I'm saying? Why you on a, you know, you on some slave, um, slave property and someone's taking your daughter away at 12 years old to have their way with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you stay some form of sane? You know what I'm saying? How do you get through this? And God was able to deliver through you know, deliver us through all of this. That's for, for me. And, and if that's something that people disagree with, it, it allows me to know that I know that there's something that allowed me to be where I'm at today. And I think I truly believe God got, got me where I'm at. And he brought you to New York, right? You started, me to New you York. started studying at LaGuardia community college right away. How did that work out no. when you started the, the recording engineer aspect? So I went to, um, my intention, all right, I'm going to be honest. My yeah. intention was to never go to college. I okay. was like, man, forget that. Like, I'm not down. And I ended up at uh, the Institute of Audio Research. Because at first I went to uh, Queens Community College. Okay. I was like, nah, I'm going to get some girl pregnant, man. Yeah. I was like, yo, look at all these girls up in here, man. Yeah. Like, beautiful. It would have been so, hard for you to focus over there, yeah, sir. Same way. reason I chose not to go there myself. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Like, let me stay in Manhattan. Listen, uh, man, that's what I don't care. What no, ain't nothing like a Brooklyn. Yeah. No, ain't nothing like a Queens girl. Yo, I'm yeah. telling you, Queens have some beautiful women. So at that time, I was like, man, I cannot go here. So I ended up at IER and I checked it out. I called my mother. I said, you know, I am going to go to school. I'm going to go to this audio school. And the reason being is because I'm not going to go to school for something I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. If I don't believe in it, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So I ended up at uh, IER. And um, I finished the program, and they had just officially created an articulation program with LaGuardia Community College. Okay. So I contacted uh, the music recording technology program over there, ran by uh, Professor Mark Brooks, and he welcomed me with open arms. I ended up applying. I got in. I got accepted. And I was there, and I met some great people, amazing people over there at LaGuardia, and I ended up. Uh, becoming the assistant professor there, like towards him and um, started working and I started teaching. And that's kind of like how I started getting into education. Okay. Yeah. That's how I started. Cause I always had picked up a, um, a camera here and there, mm-hmm. but it was always about the music. Like my thing was, I come to New York and I make it like Dr. Dre. Yeah. Not impossible. It's been done before, right? Yeah. So I, no, but you I had thought. no you had no support system out here, right, my brother? You no, you were what, what, did you have like family out here when you moved when out I here? First got here, yeah. My aunt, but she didn't sugarcoat nothing. She was yeah. like, "You gonna pay me rent?" I said, "What?" I was yeah. like, oh, "Okay." And I yeah. and then she held me down a couple months. I'm not gonna lie, she held me yeah. down a couple months because I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Like I ran out. I was on Craigslist trying to figure out stuff, like yeah. find a little gig, and I ended up um, doing security. For, for many years. Okay. For many years. So you were doing security while you were going to school? Then- going to school. I was walking in. And, you know, you got to... Some people, you know... I know some people don't like the word humble because, you know, it means meek and, and all that, like, stand down. But mm-hmm. you, sometimes you have to do that because I was walking in, and some people feel like that may be embarrassing. I was walking into class with my uniform on. Mm-hmm. Some people were like, yeah, with the security in here? No, I'm in class. Like, I didn't have time. I would go straight to work, leave work, go straight to class. Then from there, go home, wash up, do my thing, the following day, do whatever, you know. I was in school five days a week. Now, you were focused, man. You weren't playing around. No, I was trying to do yeah. my thing, man, yeah. because uh, my mother, she she didn't graduate high school. My my, my father did, um, and he 
he had some issues here and there with, you know, with the law. <laughs> so I didn't get to see my dad much. And with my mom, she would always say, you need to graduate high school. But then after that, I didn't want to struggle. I didn't want to be that person struggling at 45. And I'm like, crap, if I'm going to struggle, struggle early. Yeah. You know, get 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 those things out the way so that way I don't have to think about them. You know, when I'm 45, 50 years old, I'm like, crap, now I'm sitting in this class or trying to figure out how I'm going to make, you know, 30000 a year. And I, I, I didn't want that. I didn't want that. So you got into education, and when was it that you started doing that BRAC program, man? Oh, Bronx Rises Against Gun Violence. Yes, because that was big over here in the city, you know? You were all over the place on TV. (laughs) Fox, what was it? Fox 5, New York 1, BT interviewed you. Yeah, yeah. What was that like, man? It was great. It was an amazing um, opportunity. But before I get to that, um, I'll tell you a little bit of things that I encountered while being in New York. I started to... um, you know, do some videography here and there. Uh, a friend of mine, um, Eddie Marino, he uh, he hit me up one day because I started going to his church, and I was like, "Look, I'm leaving. I'm I, I'm out of here." And he was like, "Okay, well, if you're leaving, look, man, I got a gig coming up. Like, it's good, good gig. You know, he's paying you 175 a day, and I, my rent was 500. So I'm yeah. like, all right, I graduated college. I'm like, I'm going back to Virginia." And I'm just going to join the military. Yeah. That was my goal. I was like, I'm done. Oh, wow. You were and- going to call it quits and hang it up. Yeah, because I wasn't making money. Yeah. You know, money can't be an issue. Yeah, no, no, definitely. <laughs> right? Especially in this country, you know. Especially in New York City. <laughs> we get all that, especially in New York City. So, um, and then after, I, um, I had also got the call for doing security at the hospital. And it was so crazy because I had applied nine, no, almost like 12 months, a year before. And then they finally called me when I'm about to leave. And it was great money. You know, they, you know, 50,000 and up. So I'm like, yo, crap, I need to work there, you know? Yeah. And then, um, with oh, overtime, of course, but then after, uh, I got another opportunity, this young lady named Miss Aisha at street corner resources. Yeah. I was walking through a high school at Harlem Renaissance high school on 128th in Madison. And, um, I came in with my camera and I came downstairs. They were like, oh, they got a recording studio in this school. I was like, man, uh, what? Dope, yeah. I was like, man, y'all are crazy. I was yeah. like, I don't know what y'all talking about. But they're like, yeah, man, I um they had they have a recording studio. So I went down there and I spoke to her. And uh make the long story short, I, as I was interning, I told her I was leaving. That same week, that same day I told her I was gonna leave, she walked me to the bank and she handed me money. She didn't even know me. Wow. I was only interning for her for like a month and a half. And she believed in you. She was like, you ain't going nowhere. She was nowhere. like, some I don't want you to go nowhere. I want you to work for me. I'm just saying a whole bunch of money. But if you could tell me that you'll stay, then I'll do it. And she gave me, I said, yeah, I'll stay. Yeah. She gave me some money. And um, again, another thing that God allowed me to get through. And then things started rolling financially for me here and there. I was able to, you know, pay my um, my room rent because I was running a yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> you know how that go. And then um, from working under her, I also built my own recording studio. Yes. And I was able to, you know, I was actually lucky enough to see one of those recording yes, studios. That was but that wasn't one. the first one you, you, you had created because no. you create them from scratch, right? If yes. I'm mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, my first one was in Brooklyn. Okay. I built the studio by well, part hand. of Brooklyn. It. 
Well, some people said it was weird because people would tell me that it's um it was also Ridgewood Queens. Okay. They're like, oh, but it's Brooklyn. oh, like oh, okay, so you're like on the borderline over there. Yeah, yeah. I know so what you I was mean. off yeah. the L, and I'm like, man, yeah. I don't know what it is, yeah. but I know that it says Brooklyn, but whatever, you know. So I was in there. I put wood floors in there, and I was mixing records for people. Different rappers, artists would come in, singer songwriters, um, and producers came through. And um, shout out to Star Trek. Uh, so he came through Star Trek is one of the producers of the show yeah he he saw it and um, uh, I forgot the young lady's name Uh, DJ Beck what's her name DJ what's her name DJ what B Craze I know it was B something DJ B Craze came through and um, he brought her through and uh, we connected and he he saw the vision he even did like a small promo for me oh dope both studios actually and then a, a, a guy that I was working with, um, uh, Joe Lindsay, he did uh, a record with uh, Swiss Beats, right? And I had interned for him before. Oh, like, okay. I was running around interning in different studios. I worked at Stadium Red with Just Blaze, and I was just, you know, trying to hustle. And uh, he gave me an opportunity to move my studio, <coughs> excuse me, my studio to Long Island. Oh, all right. So, when when I moved it to Long Island, things didn't work out, um, and then I was like, "Crap, man! I gotta I gotta get back to the city, man! I can't be out here in Long Island." So I moved the studio to Astoria, Queens, and I didn't have any money. We like me and my wife had just got married. Things didn't work out, and um, in terms of the the studio in Long Island, so I'm like, "Crap! I don't know where this money's coming from." And the owner of the building said, "Listen, if you tell me you can get." the money up within two months, I'll let you just leave the equipment here and everything until you build it up. So he worked with me. And then as that was all taking place. What a blessing, man. Such a blessing. Nobody says that in your city. city. Yeah, exactly. The first month was free. I didn't pay the first month and nothing. Then the following month, he was like, all right, cool. You got the first month. He's like, all right, cool. Now you got to give me that deposit. Yeah. So I gave him the deposit and payments. And, um, as all that was going, I was still working for Miss Aisha. That mm-hmm. never changed. And then I had moved up to computer tech within the, the um, school. I left the security field. And then um, I got approached uh, through Good Shepherd um, Services, which is a part of uh, Bronx Rise Against Gun Violence. And they brought me in for a meeting, and they, they loved it. They were like, man, if you can really do this, man, let's do it. And at the time, I'm, you know, I'm... I'm at the table with these people and I'm like, I don't even have, I'm not even incorporated and everything's yeah. like the variety group. Yeah. Right? They wrote me a check, the yeah. variety group. I said, man, I can't cash yeah, this, man. Put yeah. it in my name. Yeah. They had to go cash me another yeah. check. And it was crazy. It's just the hustle, you know, trying to, you know, figure things out. And um, But you own the variety group now. Yes. That's yours. Oh, now you, you published your day. book through the variety yes. group. You eventually did make that happen. Yes. I definitely made it happen because now, when I sit at the table, I want to come correct. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone to be like, oh, well, you know, he didn't do this and all that. No, I'm sending the invoices properly, you know, make sure that the payment's there properly, too. Yeah. That's it, you know. And um, through through Bragg, man, they gave so much to the community, man. It's, it's amazing what they're doing in the Bronx. They're really, like, putting their lives on the line, as well as, like, Street Corner Resources in Harlem. They're doing some amazing things because they were the first uh, Street Corner Resources was like where I got my footing in to really work with, you know, economically deprived communities. Yeah. And really seeing some of the things that go on and really giving 
you know, the youth another option to uh, to create the way that they want to and have a safe space to go to. And that was all like, you know, the brains of Miss Aisha and uh, me being able to also work with her and she utilizing me. And through that, I was able to get other opportunities and shout out huge shout out to Bragg, David Kaba for bringing me in and trusting me to be able to do some things out there in the Bronx. And, and we did. We did some amazing things. And still are. I just I'm here now because of that. I'm training one of the interns that started there who was my student. And now he's taking my role. Oh, man, already passing down a legacy. That's yes, fantastic, man. Good time. work. Good work, man. Thank you, thank you. Hopefully he's as good as you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, and not to get off the book, I, I wanted yeah. to make sure that yeah. people understand, like, just to even lead up to getting um, to this book, you know, having these dreams and these visions, it was so much, especially in New York City, everyone's busy. Some of the people that don't do nothing is busy for some reason, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you're always hustling. And I think that that's the journey that God chose for me. Yeah. You know, to be able to give back through my community through music and audio and, you know, engineering and these uh, different things, film, technology. Yeah. Speaking of film, you're about to head and do a, are you writing a script now? You're developing a motion picture. What's happening with that? Seven days. Seven days. Seven days. What's seven days about, brother? I know it's not the Mary J song. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) So seven days is actually, it corresponds, it correlates to the Bible. And it talks about how the earth will wreak seven days, like will wreak havoc for seven days on its inhabitants. So I go into Revelation and stuff like that. And um, it some of the things, not only is it biblical, but some of these things can actually happen, you know, from whether we see, you know, it was so nice this week. 70 degrees in New York City in January. You know, it's like I love it, but I know it's not good. It's like, come on, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, it's so horrible. It's like pizza, bro. It's like, man, I know I shouldn't eat it, but man, it's going to taste so good. Uh, You know, 45, 50 degrees. I'm like, ooh, I like this, but no, it's climate change. (laughs) It's it's so funny you say that because me and my wife were watching the ball drop from L.A., so we're three hours behind. We're watching watching the ball drop, and um, we're seeing these people, and I'm like, man, it's not even cold. You like, can tell. Not, you can tell. Yeah, nobody is in heavy coats. You can tell yeah. that it's not even cold. And I'm like, yo, me and my wife was out there. We was freezing. But, um, yeah, like, you, you, these things are happening, you know, uh, all all around the world, these different uh, natural disasters. Yeah, look at Puerto Rico, Australia. Yes. You know, it's it's, it's, it's serious, it's man. Serious. It's and serious. The, the um, fires that have taken place in California and, you know, all these different uh, earthquakes. So many things that have been taking place with the earth. So from the, I wrote from that perspective, and I also this year will be shooting a uh, pilot of a teleplay that I wrote. It's called Crenshaw Blues. Okay. Yeah, and I had that that it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the Bible at all. Okay. <laughs> at all, and okay. uh, we'll be shooting that th- by this summer. But it's about Crenshaw out there in California. Yes, right, because cool. some some people don't um, realize how many um, <clears throat> excuse me how many uh, people. So many influencers through jazz and um, the blues and soul area era. When you know about Harlem Renaissance, you know about you know New York and what they like what, what happened, and you know about Mississippi and you know about um, New Orleans. But a lot of people always skip over Crenshaw. It was a lot of black actors, actresses, and musicians who would play right there on Crenshaw. And there's like 
and let you have to actually do research your his, uh, research to do history behind like some of these nightclubs and what went on. Yeah. So I'm writing from that perspective about a kid who is growing up in the city in today's time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I'll tell you a little bit about the first episode. Right, cool, that cool? Right. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. It's your world, brother. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So um, <laughs> uh, it was all it was all influenced by the amazing producer named Terrace Martin. Okay. He uh, he posted a photo of himself and he talked about how the saxophone saved his life. And through that, I was able to actually start writing from just seeing that one little post. And through that. I spoke about well. I'm I'm writing about. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me let me get. I don't know if I want to give everything away. It's up to you, man. It's up to you. Uh, you know you what? already started though. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> shoot, shoot. If that's the case, Crenshaw Blues. Well, it'll um, be easier to sell now that they know what the synopsis nah, is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you're right about that. But um, uh, it's a kid growing up in uh in Inglewood, and he's encountering different things and. When he's at school, he gets posed uh, by the question by his teacher, whether or not like if the things that you want right now, does it the goals line up for your future? So he writes, can we be honest in this essay? He's like, yeah, of course. So he talks about how like all I wanted to be was a dope boy. That's what I saw. And I wanted to be respected and all these things. And as he leaves out. Um, he ends up uh, running into like three people that don't don't mess with him. They from a different crew, a different set, and he finds himself about to you know probably get into something. So he's like, you know what? I could also be street smart. Well, you know, play it smart. So he he dips into a music store, and um, inside of the music store, he finds out that uh, he finds more uh, more about himself. And put it. And I'm gonna leave it there. All right, cool. He, he finds more about himself. Sounds great. And then you you end up. Yeah, on, it sounds like a, it sounds like something that's uh, right up my alley. Okay, like, cool. Yeah, cool, yeah, 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 yeah. No, so, no, no. Um, I don't want to give it all away. Yeah, no, definitely not. The first not. episode, but, but thank you for your little for the little tidbit that oh, you dropped. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, um, that music store scene is going to be pivotal, and I can't wait for everyone uh, to be able to check it out. Well, everyone, Mr. Mark Bird. Hey, thank you, thank man. Thank you so much, man. Thank for you for dropping me. by. The book, everyone, just in case you forgot, is The Journey God Chose yes. by Mr. Mark Bird. Available on Amazon. <laughs> Available on Amazon. And before we go, give us your handles, brother. Oh, okay, yes, definitely. You can check me out because I still engineer at Mixed by Mark. That's M I X E D B Y M A R K. So. Definitely, you can check me out on everything from Facebook to Instagram, Twitter, and everything. I know I don't really post too much on Twitter, though. Everything right. is on um, mostly Instagram, Facebook. All right, cool, man. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Bird. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Pleasure. All right. All right, man. I'm out of here. Today, we got a chance to speak to Mr. Mark Bird. Make sure that you go out and purchase his book, The Journey God Chose, in stores and on Amazon now. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Talk to you later.